What's up, mom and dad? Welcome back to the Raising Competitors podcast. My name is Jake Thompson. I'm excited you are here as we kick off season two of Raising Competitors. How can we invest in our young competitors and the future generation of leaders so that they have a healthy mindset around competition, they develop grit, leadership skills, and excel in school, sports, and life. We had a little bit of break between season one and season two, but all that means is we are fired up and fueled to go for season two with a ton of new interviews around youth sports, raising young competitors, investing in the development of our competitors' grit, mindset, leadership skills, and influence. And so you're going to be able to grab a ton of value out of this season's conversations, all designed just to help you do one of the most challenging jobs in the world, which is raise great kids. So with that said, I want to encourage you, if you haven't reached out to the show before, shoot us an email, email to our info, email to contact at raisingcompetitors.com. And as always, to support the show, support our parent brand, Compete Every Day. Check out competeeveryday.com. You can use the uh, promo code RAISINGCOMPETITORS, all one word. Raising Competitors will get you 15% off any order at competeeveryday.com. Today's episode features South Bay Football Club Executive Director Kelly Gray. Now, if you're a fan of pro soccer, you may be familiar with Kelly's name. As he was the number five overall pick in the Major League Soccer Super Draft, he spent his career playing for the Chicago Fire, Houston Dynamo, Colorado Rapids, and LA Galaxy, just to name a few teams before retiring and investing his life now into youth sports, into raising the next generation of soccer players. But you'll be intrigued by our conversation because you would assume someone that has played soccer throughout his life would be a heavy proponent of only playing soccer. But our conversation today gets into the topic of playing multiple sports growing up, the benefits of playing multiple sports growing up. We talk about the book Range. We talk about the book Late Bloomers. So there's some great content. If you check out our show notes um, at podcast.competeveryday.com, you'll find links to those books. You'll find some additional information that Kelly and I share that can be a valuable resource for you. And so now let's jump onto the show. Let's talk about kids having fun in sports, playing multiple sports, and how that extra time being a multi-sport athlete actually helps them in the long run. Without further ado, welcome our guest today, Kelly Gray. Kelly, welcome to the Raising Competitors podcast. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. Oh, man. I'm excited to connect. I know your team had reached out and we'd connected months ago. You and I had the opportunity to chat a little bit before Christmas, and, and here we are yeah. hitting 2020 running. Uh, I know you're busy with the South Bay Football Club. You've got your hands in a few other projects as yep. well. So tell our parents, our listeners, yep. uh, a little bit about yourself right now, and then we're going to dive into to your career and the things you're working on. Sure. Yeah. A little bit about me. Uh, just grew up uh, an active kid, loved playing sports, loved being outside, um, played pretty much every sport under the sun, found soccer to be my favorite one, uh, mostly because I think I was good at it, but also because my friend group, that's what we played. That was everybody's favorite sport. Uh, was able to take that to uh, higher and higher levels as, as I grew up, uh, ended up playing D1 ball at University of Portland, was there for 
about two years. Um, got drafted number five in MLS Super Draft, the Chicago Fire. Had a good long career in MLS, uh, about eight years. And then uh, took about a year off to try and figure out what I wanted to do next and came back to what I was passionate about, which was soccer. And from that point on, I've been working in the business of soccer, whether that be running sports organizations, starting soccer clubs, uh, running camps, um, or in, and even delving into the software side of it to try and make things a bit more efficient than what currently exists. So quite a, quite a range of things there. Yeah. What, what initially drew you to the sport? Um, you know, I think that it was just that it was active. You know, you had to be turned on at every moment. You know, you, you had to be paying attention and you couldn't just space out for a while. You know, I found for myself, uh, baseball was just a bit too slow for me because you can kind of uh, space out. I wanted the action. I wanted constant movement. And that's what soccer provided for me. I love it. I love it. And so uh, in total, how many years have you been in and around the game? Well, let's see. I started when I was five and it's been since then. You know, that's, it's just what I've always loved to do as a kid. It was, that was, that was what I did. And, um, and then since I stopped playing in 2009, um, like I said, I took a year off and I wasn't too involved for about six months. And then I started to dip my toe back into the coaching side of things and got all my coaching licenses and, started coaching some higher level teams and also started coaching some super low level teams and um, was just learned so much through that. Um, and then that opened up my eyes to the organizational structure of youth clubs in this country. And, um, and then I've just kind of been working in that since then. Okay. I'm curious on that. And I, and I want to ask yeah. you really about at first, I want to talk about some of your early coaching experiences. And here, here's why I want to preface this is it's, it's come up a few times on the show. A lot mm -hmm. of times athletes, especially incredibly talented athletes sometimes struggle with the transition to coaching because yeah. they have incredible natural ability that they've built upon. And a lot of other players aren't at that same level. Uh, whereas yeah. other, other coaches that played, they were sometimes fringe guys. They weren't highly drafted. Um, they have a different perspective. And so from your end, having a mm -hmm. successful career, what was the getting into coaching like, especially with dealing with that, those lower level athletes that weren't as developed or perhaps weren't on that same talent level that, that you had been at or accustomed to growing up? Sure. Um, yeah, you know, it was one, I'll start it by saying, I never wanted to coach. I never had the passion for it. It wasn't something that I, that I really ever wanted to do. Um, I was forced into it a little bit in the sense that I wanted, I needed to continue to make money in my life and I didn't really know what to do. And so I was like, let me just try this. I have this, this knowledge, like it'd kind of be a shame for me to not pass on that knowledge in some way. So that's how I started. Um, so I went from playing pro to coaching an under seven boys team. <laughs> so you, you talk about transition. Oh my gosh. It was, it was just, I mean, it was the most uh, educational experience that I've had uh, from a coaching standpoint, just because, you know, when you're, when you're a pro, you're, you're speaking at these very high levels, you know, you're talking about almost like theories of the game. And I had to work with these six year old boys to see if they could, you know, balance on one foot and like swing their leg without falling over 
and, and then and that well, we we didn't have a ball involved at that point. And so why I say it was so transformational for me was because I had to break the game down literally to the point of being able to stand up straight. And from a coaching standpoint, it really helped me set a foundation for um, proper technique. And and then I was able to see some of these players that couldn't do it by the time the season was over. Well, they could. And whether they were, you know, some kids had it naturally, but but some of them didn't. And and whether they were um, those top kids or those bottom kids, I got I was able to see progress in all of it. And I think that as a coach, that's kind of what that's certainly what I look for is is progress because every player is going to develop at their own pace. And as long as you feel like they're still um, progressing in some way, then I, I think you're doing your job. And I think that as a coach, you still get that fulfillment out of it. I love that. And I love just kind of hearing a little bit about that process because some, some coaches don't ever get the opportunity to almost go back to the very, very beginning and have that and, and yeah. how that's obviously influenced a lot of the work you're doing now in the youth sports space yep. uh, with South Bay football club. And so I know yep. y'all try to position yourself very differently from a playing and development style. And so kind of give us an overview of, of what separates y'all from just the standard clubs out there. Sure. Um, well, you know, having been in this game for so long and having watched the transition um, of, of sports being fun to sports being a job, yep. um, I don't feel as though that's the proper way uh, to treat any of this. And so I wanted to start a soccer club that was going to bring it back to the root reason for why kids are involved and it's enjoyment, fun. And um, what I've found about this is as long as you're upfront about what your philosophy is and how you want to get there and what is important to you, um, you attract people that are looking for that exact same thing. And so what I've found is that the group of parents, because parents are always an issue in youth sports, but the group of parents that we have in our club we really don't have any parent issues because everything was laid out beforehand. We didn't inherit any players. It wasn't like we came into an organization and there was already this existing structure and we were trying to change it. We got to start from scratch and set the tone the right way from day one. And that has been probably the, uh, the, the best thing I think that, that we've been able to do. What, what have been some of those, those key I guess cultural foundations that y'all are, are adamant about including in the space. Sure. Um, well, one, kids are kids. We have to treat them like kids. We don't need to treat them like professionals. They're, they're not, they're not there. Um, we, we want them to have fun. There needs to be some structure. There need, does need to be some discipline, but at the end of the day, we need, we need training sessions. We need the game to be a lot of fun Two we cannot have them specialize early. We're doing them a disservice developmentally by having them specialize early. Um, I want kids to play every single sport under the sun. If they have an interest in it, go play it. If that means you're missing soccer practice, then miss soccer practice. I can't tell you that your kid is going to be a soccer player. Only the kid can tell you. So that I think is very, very different than, than anything that people are spouting these days. Well, um, and not only that, and then, but the kid choosing to go play basketball or football, yeah. 
they're working on footwork in a very different way than they would on the soccer field as well. Exactly. So how, how I always explain it to people is, you know, I love working with basketball players because they understand formation and structure and movement off the ball. I like working with hockey players because they understand how to use their body to protect the puck or the ball in this case. Um, they're much more physical athletes than, than what you're going to get as somebody that just strictly focuses on soccer from the get-go. So there's huge, huge benefits from kids playing other sports. So I would actually argue the complete opposite of what everybody else said. Everybody says you have to specialize early, earlier, you're falling behind. I'd say if you specialize early, you're falling behind because you're not, you're not going to grow at that exponential rate that you're going to get if you play all these other sports. So that's, that's one of the women. And then the, the third one is I, I really think it's hugely important for kids to be able to represent their schools. Um, you know, in, in soccer specifically, people don't play middle school soccer. People don't play high school soccer anymore because it's frowned upon. Um, I think that there's a huge piece of social development that goes along with representing your school, representing your friends. Because in club soccer, you're not playing with all your schoolmates generally. You're playing with this, you know, eclectic group of people from all around your area. And so when you're representing your school, these are your classmates. These are your, the people that you see every single day. And when you're representing your school, I think that there's, there's a lot of lessons to be learned there. There's a lot of pride to be had. And, um, and people will argue about the level, but, you know, my argument to that is that, yeah, the level of high school soccer is not going to be as high as the level of club soccer. But club soccer is competitive for, I'd say, nine months out of the year. High school is kind of a break. And, and you get to go from being maybe the, the a mediocre player on your club team to being the star on your high school team. And I think that there's something really important about the experience of that. And then, um, and then by the end of the high school season, generally you're, you're kind of frustrated with the level not being so high and it lights that fire underneath you to get back to club soccer and to push extra hard. And then you're so happy because the level is so much higher. And so, I think that there's a cycle there that's really important that we don't uh, have our players experience anymore. Um, and, and then people get burned out. I mean, that's, that's just simply what happens. You don't give a break. You're going to get burned out. Yeah, no, you, you do. And, and so what, let me ask you on that same note for, for parents listening, because the pressures it, it feels like are, are nonstop and overwhelming these days that the kids have to be doing it year round. Otherwise they're going to lose ground to the competitors They're, You know, if they're not yep. training, playing the sport every day, every week, uh, then someone else yep. out there is, is going to beat them. But, but what you're saying is the encouragement of the off season of, of the time away. And so your program is very yep. different, but how do you encourage those parents out there who are for lack of a better word, getting caught up in the rat race of the youth sports rise of year-round play and how they can still support their athletes, still help their athlete, while the athlete doesn't have to play the game year-round? Well, I think that what we don't pay enough attention to is the mental side of, of what all of this means, right? And what I mean by that is parents get really caught up in their player being the best and having the best opportunity at this moment in time. I think as a coach, you want to coach your player to be the best at 17, 18, 19, 20 not coach your kid to be the best at 10, 11, 12, because nobody cares at 10, 11, 12. There's no opportunity to be had at that point. And so those players that are coached to be the best at 10, 11, 12, mentally, they're, those are the players that are going to burn out at the 16, 17, 18, right? So if you, if you actually take a step back in the young side and let them experience so much more, then I think that 
those are the players that are going to peak and be their best when it actually matters when it's later on in their career. Love it. I love it. it and obviously a lot of the conversations we're having are echoed in, in David Epstein's book range, uh, as well as uh, the newer book late bloomers that talks about a lot of these just conversations. Uh, and, and I yep. love the fact to hear you echo it as well, having played professional sports uh, and having yep. come from that experience of it as well. One of the things I know we talked about uh, in our last conversation off podcast off air was, was this app you were developing. I believe it's called Cinch. Tell us a yeah. little bit about the app and really why you decided to step out away from just focusing kind of the on-field development, life skills development to this app and helping bridge some of those gaps. Yeah, sure. I mean, having worked in sports management and youth sports management specifically um, for the last 10 years or so, um, I just had recognized that I was using all these various different pieces of software to effectively manage a sports organization. Um, the way that the times were changing, uh, where especially me as a director, I was out on the field constantly. Um, it was really difficult for me to manage all of that. And so um, I've always been fascinated by technology um, and I wanted to build a product that was going to make my life easier when it came to running sports programs. So that's kind of where Cinch came from. And really what it is, it's, uh, it's a single place to be able to run every aspect of sports management. So right now what our current product is, and it's, it's launching, uh, should be actually launched by the time this podcast airs, um, it's, it's simply for collecting player information and, and registration for camps and then for organizations to be able to just manage all of their camps from an iPad or, or, a, or a mobile tablet. And I, I say that because you know, as a camp director, I'm out on the field constantly. There's so much of, so many times I have to print out a spreadsheet and then I get an extra registration and then I have to print out the spreadsheet again. And then you're just manually ticking everything off and you have to sign in and a sign out and you're not really sure what's going on. And so what Cinch does is it, it kind of simplifies that entire process where the registration is up to date every single second. You check people in on the iPad with their QR code from, from a parent's phone. Um, everybody gets sent notifications that so-and-so was checked in at this time and checked out at this time. Um, and, and, and it deals with all of the, the money collection, uh, any of the payroll that you need for your coaches, uh, background checks for coaches, all those kinds of things. So that's, uh, that's what I've been building and, and it's, it's really fun. And, um, like I said, the product should be live by the time this airs. And I, I certainly am using it for all of the camps and programs that I run. Uh, here on forward. So <laughs> it's been a really fun project up to date. Uh, I love that. What do you, I guess, what do you hope the, the biggest takeaway for a parent is like the, the one thing that they can get out of it that could maybe solve that pain point or someone using the um, app? Yeah, it's, it's very simple. It's just having one place to go, having one app. So from a parent standpoint, you know, they can um, download the app, uh, the website is cinchhq.com. They can download the app. They can go to the app store, Google play. Uh, they can search for various camp programs, any camp that's on our platform, they can search for and register for, and then they can communicate with the camp directors. They can um, really just manage every aspect of their child's camp experience all from their phone. And then as we, as a company grow and build in, more features to it they really should be able to manage their entire sporting lives of their kids uh, from the palm of their hand 
Love it. Love it. And, and so on that same note for parents, we obviously always, we push the compete everyday podcast, raising competitors, but we're always trying to share resources for parents, for players, things that can help them continue to grow and develop not just the on the field, but the off the field, the skills that we know and have discussed today aid you throughout mm-hmm. life. And you recently launched a podcast, or not too recently have launched a podcast. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about your show, what kind of episodes and content you share on there. Sure, yeah. It's called Athletes Rising. It can be found on any of the podcast platforms. Um, the whole point of why myself and my co-host, a guy named Dustin Abel, um, started the show was because we, again, have been working in this area for a long time, and Dustin's background is all in volleyball, um, and we've noticed that parents these days don't allow their children to fail, um, and we as high-level athletes know that failure is actually a huge part of growth. If you don't fail, you don't grow, and so what we wanted to do was share the stories of college athletes or professional athletes in all various sports um, and the, and the failures and the, the challenges that they came up against in their own growth um, and how they reacted to that and how that aided them in reaching that next level of, uh, of their game. I'm, I'm interested in that from, I guess, an athlete standpoint of understanding perfection is, is not out there. Like even the most successful that we see online that we watch on TV, that we check out box scores on have yep. still struggled. They've still failed. They've That's gone everybody. there. We, yeah. We, we don't see it. Uh, it's interesting when, when athletes are willing to talk about that because not a lot of times do we want to talk about the setbacks. That's what makes social media so dangerous. It's, it's a bunch of yeah. highlight reels. Uh, and I exactly. talk about it. It's funny. I talk about in my book uh, about Jordan. Michael Jordan having like we think of him as the greatest of all time in basketball but there's I mean there was a period where they were just getting killed by the Pistons in the playoffs and Jordan was good but he was not Jordan as we know him and and he told Tony Robbins in this fascinating interview about how after the third time the Pistons beat him he was getting ready to just like destroy his teammates he was ready to cuss him yell at him blame him and he said for some reason he got hit in that moment about personal responsibility and ownership and how it had to start with him yelling at them, crying, wasn't going to make their team better next year. And so he, yeah. that was kind of the offseason that he committed himself to getting better, to changing his game, to getting stronger. And that ultimately is, is what changed his dynamic and, and his career and everything. And so hearing athletes, college athletes being able to share, here's the failure, here's how I learned, here's how I grew – can be very powerful experiences because in high school, I mean, I remember you look at guys, especially then without social media, you would look at guys and assume certain things about how they got there, the lack of challenges they face. And it makes you sometimes hesitant when facing certain challenges versus, oh my gosh, this is what they did. That's how it worked. They kept with it. That's what I see the results of it now. Exactly. Whole different ballgame. Yep. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. You know, and and that's why I say these these stories are um, from men, from women, from all different sports, and and a lot of it is, you know, you don't you don't see kind of you don't you don't ever really get to pull that curtain back and see what's what's behind it. And um, in some of these stories, it's just so fascinating because sometimes it's you know you had family tragedy, sometimes 
It was um, having to having to make the decision to leave the team that you're on with all of your friends to try and challenge yourself at the next level. And, and mentally, how do you how do you do that? And with others, it's getting cut from teams. Um, my co-host Dustin Avol, he, he his is almost one of the most fascinating. Where he played volleyball at USC, but he went to school and he got cut his freshman year. And generally, I, I mean, I don't even I can't even think of another athlete that that went to school got cut freshman year and then came back. You know, he had just said that he wasn't done. And he came back and ended up as the captain of the, of the USC men's volleyball team by his senior year. And so that to me is just such a fascinating story and so important for people to hear, specifically players to hear that just because something doesn't go the way that you plan doesn't mean that it's done. It just means you need to learn something. And you, you have to persevere. You have to keep going. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. And so the more we can share those stories of real people overcoming real challenges and, and continuing to succeed is, is huge. So, uh, dude, yep. that's awesome. So we're going to absolutely link to the show in the show notes. Parents listening would highly encourage you putting that in the ear of your youth athlete, uh, encouraging them to hear some of these stories so that when the inevitable challenges of school and college and everything else start to go, they can learn to deal with it and they can learn how to overcome some of those challenges and put themselves in a, obviously a much better position going forward. Kelly, yep. uh, where can someone find out? Obviously you've shared the links for Cinch for, for your rising yep. podcast. Where can we learn more about you South Bay? Where can we get connected to find out uh, everything that you've got going on and learn more about your work? Yeah, sure. Um, Instagram is probably the, the best place right now. It's I am Kelly Gray. Um, and it's the same on Twitter and Facebook and, and all of those various places. Um, for South Bay FC, if people are interested in checking out um, South Bay FC, it's just southbayfc.org. And um, there's a, just a lot of information about our philosophy, uh, what makes us a bit different, and then the various programs and things that we run. Dude, I love it. Thank you so much for spending some time today yeah. on the show. My pleasure. Thanks, mom and dad, for tuning in to another episode of the Raising Competitors podcast. As always, to get connected and learn more, check out RaisingCompetitors.com. And be sure to support the show by checking out CompeteEveryday.com. You can find some motivational apparel for yourself, for your kids, great podcasts, and other programs that we offer at Compete Every Day. Until then, keep instilling in your kids the importance of competing every day and setting them up for success in school, in sports, and in life. This is the Raising Competitors Podcast.